you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 297. Yes, my voice is like nine registers lower than it normally is, because uh, I got sick while I was traveling, and uh, and the throat thing lasted well beyond the sickness. Uh, it left a parting gift in the way of not having a voice, but uh, super fun shows in Nashville and Chicago, so thank you so much if you came out to those. I'd like to thank the sponsor for this episode of Nerds Podcast. That would be Stamps.com. It's the holiday season, if you're listening to this right around when it went up, and if not, that's on you, pal. But uh, why wait in line at the post office? It's not necessary. If you have Stamps.com, you can mail everything from your place. The mailman will come pick it up. He'll just pick it up from your place, and you don't have to go wait in line at the post office and uh, have people be uh, uh, angry at you because you're in their way and because they have a million things to do and kids screaming in the car, and none of it's your problem. So use stamps.com. Print exactly the post you need right from your desk. It's super easy, super convenient. You can use uh, the offer code NERDIST to get a special no-risk trial, $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale up to $55 in free postage. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in NERDIST. Stamps.com into the promo code NERDIST. And now, the CM Punk episode. You asked for it, and I have responded. CM Punk came on Talking Dead recently uh, with Yvette Nicole Brown from Community, and they were fantastic guests. I mean, they they were huge fans of The Walking Dead. Uh, They brought up interesting points. They debated. They were passionate about it. Uh, I really urge you to see that if you already have it on your DVR because it's not available anywhere in the world otherwise. Uh, Talking Dead's not online or or anywhere that I'm aware you can see it. Unless you work for AMC, then you might have access to it, but uh, you probably don't. So I apologize for that. And on that tip, it's now time for uh, disclaimers, corrections, and apologies. Uh, My first disclaimer and or apology is to wrestling fans. Uh, I do not mean any disrespect to you at 
all. I just need you to know up front that uh, I am not a huge uh, watcher of wrestling, uh, not since I was a kid when I grew up in Memphis. And so I don't really know anything. I don't know that much about wrestling. I, I really do. Uh, I apologize to you because if you're a hardcore wrestling fan and you wanted some really deep dive, granular, inside scoop on the world wrestling, uh, I, I don't have it. Uh, I talk to punk as a guy, you know, just like dudes who, by the way, I found out, and I, and I kind of got a glimpse of this when he was on Talking Dead, but super nerdy guy. I mean, like, super nerdy guy. Super nerdy tattoos. His apartment, which I will describe in the episode, uh, has unbelievable stuff in it, including a flux capacitor. And... Uh, he also, he and I bonded over the fact that we both have Real Genius t-shirts. We both have original, from when the movie came out, Real Genius t-shirts. Mine was given to me by my girlfriend Chloe, his by uh, Colt Cabana. So we bonded over that, and uh, already, if none of these things mean anything to you, then you should probably turn this podcast off right now and save your anger, because then you'll get angry at me, and then you'll uh, say horrible things to me on Twitter. Just save yourself the energy. Save your anger for inanimate objects like your computer. Yell at that, uh, not at people. So, but again, I don't mean any disrespect to the to the wrestling fan. So that's first. Uh, secondly, uh, correction. Uh, early in the podcast, I make a reference to a very famous hockey player by the name of Jeremy Roenick, who I just met when I was in Chicago. Very nice guy. I accidentally said his name is Jeremy Rennick. Why? Because I'm an idiot. Uh, I don't follow hockey either. I know. It's a sportsless universe that I live in. I've said this many times. And also his name's too close to Jeremy Renner. So I'm sorry. I said Jeremy Rennick, but I know it's Jeremy Roenick. So please don't hip check me or give me an elbow to the face or push me into the glass uh, or some other hockey terms that I don't know because I said his name wrong. I know what the correct name is. And uh, and then finally, I will say... Uh, uh, it was really great getting to know Punk. Really good guy. Really good guy. And we're pals now. And if you say anything shitty about me, he's going to beat the crap out of you. He said he would in the podcast. So suck on those CM Punk fists as they hit your mouth. There's podcast number 297 with CM Punk. Now entering Nerdist.com. <laughs> Just put the dog paw in the concrete. Okay, this is perfect. All right, that's it. We're recording. This is very exciting. Um, CM Punk was on Talking Dead a few weeks ago, and we hit it off. And then here I'm in Chicago, and you are also in Chicago. For once. And we have made this podcast thing happen. I'm, I'm nervous, actually. No, you're going to be great. How could you be nervous? Come on. I, 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 I have no doubt that I'll be great, which is probably <laughs> a very egotistical thing to say. I just, you know, I'm following, in my mind, Mel Brooks and Malcolm McDowell. You, you, you know what I mean? So that's, uh, that's it's, true. It's kind of daunting. That's right? true. That's true. Um, Mel, is, Mel is tough to follow and Malcolm is, is tough to follow, but they, uh, they can't pile drive anyone. No. Particularly well, I, not I, now. I, I don't know. I'd let Mel Brooks pile drive me. But I would too. And, but he would do it in the friendliest way. Yeah. 
Come here, let me just pile drive you. Whatever you want. I can't imagine. You, you, you said uh, Blazing Saddles was your favorite movie. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's of all of all time my favorite movie, Slapshot. Uh huh. Uh, Blazing Saddles is definitely it's in the top ten, if not the top five. I was, I, and if you, this is something that I could discuss till the cows come home. Like my actual movie top five or top ten is yeah. too, it's too damn hard. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned Slapshot because I just was thinking about Slapshot today. Because uh, I did uh, I did the Man Cow show this morning to promote these comedy shows. Yeah. And uh, J- uh, Jeremy Rennick was on. Okay. And so I just I so I so wanted to ask questions about like can you imagine playing hockey when they didn't have to wear any headgear, and it was just face ice fists like that that to me is uh, he got his face crushed with a puck. Um, All his teeth are fake. Yeah. I, he he had his entire face reconstructed because yeah he didn't wear one of those guards he just had a helmet on and and he seems like he was like oh I'm really happy now he just wrote this book I guess he went through a lot of shit but uh, <laughs> but they said uh, uh, he, but I think Mancow asked him like uh, were you in pain when you woke up this morning he goes oh yeah every morning yeah 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 I'm in pain every morning like he just it's almost like Wolverine's claws like yeah it hurts all the time yeah every time it hurts yeah uh, but it's just. <laughs> You don't think that, uh, you know, when you're young and you're, you're like, I'm just going to rip everyone's fucking head off. You don't think, someday my body is going to make me pay. Yeah, I don't think I actually thought my body was going to make me pay till you know, maybe last year. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, was, I still felt great. And now I'm, I'm nine days post-knee surgery right now. And I don't ever want to have another surgery as long as I live. It's a rotten experience. So was it uh, was it an ACL or was it just no? A... If I if it was an ACL, oh, you wouldn't be moving. I, yeah, uh, no, I just got it scoped. I had a like a bucket tear of my meniscus. And oh, okay. The cartilage flipped up and lodged itself in the joint, and I couldn't move my leg. ACL is the only knee thing I, I knew to say. Yeah. So I, you, you, a lot of times that's a safe bet. If you go ACL, people go yeah yeah ACL. <laughs> okay. No, I, I wouldn't. I'm just I would, to yeah, sound I'd be smarter than I. We'd be podcasting over the phone. <laughs> but it actually doesn't look that bad. It's just like two no. tiny little band-aids right there. Yeah, I took the stitches out the other day and, uh, you know, I aggressively rehab so I can get back in the ring sooner. You're walking around? Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about how amazing your place is. Oh, thank you. It really does. I think I said this when I came here. Like, this feels like the sitcom apartment from, like, when you'd watch, like, Friends. You go, who the fuck could afford that apartment? You know, but this is... It's like a super cool multi-story but open kind of floor plan. You've only seen like one room too, really. You, there's there's a whole bunch of secret rooms and trap doors and stuff. God, that, love, but yeah. let's just talk about the contents of your place. What as I look around, I see uh, a gorgeous portrait of Wolfman Vincent Price. Um, I see a bunch of horror characters. I see a Leatherface. Uh, there's a Big Trouble in Little China poster. Signed by the cast. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Signed by Kurt Russell? Yeah. And, and did Kim Cattrall sign it? I think she did. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, and then next to that on the floor is a flux capacitor. An actual flux capacitor. Yeah, just sitting around. Whatever. Just, just whatever like, spare parts. You know, just uh, throw some stuff together. So, okay, so you were hanging a clock on your toilet, and that's when you slipped, and then you got a concussion. And, and that is what makes time travel possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Then I see a creature from the Black Lagoon. So you're a huge. You're, I, you're, your place reminds me of Rob Zombie's place, where it's like it's this specific sector of kind of you know like horror sci-fi genre. I'm, I'm most proud that you can walk in and not know what I do for a living because <laughs> I don't have 
a bunch of junk. You know, I don't have pictures or toys of myself hanging up, which a lot of a lot of pro wrestlers seem to do that, and I've always thought that was kind of weird. You're not going to do the big painting of like you naked in a clamshell. I didn't say that. Okay, all right. Because I haven't seen all the rooms have, yet. I don't have know nothing what's to here. do. It'll have nothing to do with wrestling. I, I you know, people are going to be so fucking mad at me, and I and I apologize, but I, I have not watched wrestling in a really long time, and and I and I'm sure that's going to infuriate a lot of wrestling fans. Like, how could you get to sit down and talk with you for no all this stuff? But I just assume the internet's going to yell at me no matter what, so I fucking just can't the care. The funny thing about that is the wrestling fans who constantly complain about the content of the shows, and they still watch every week. So <laughs> They just want to complain. So you don't watch, and then they're going to complain about you not. They want you to be miserable with the rest it's of It's better that I don't, because if I came on with a bunch of knowledge and specific questions, they'd be like, how the fuck could you think that? What is it good? You know, like, the, whatever. They're going to attack you no matter what. Um, but I, I grew up in Memphis, yeah. at, like, right when... Wrestling became it was it was just about to make the transition from local public access is what it looked like. But I was there with, when Jerry Lawler was there and Andy Kaufman and like Jimmy Hart and those guys, and they would do it down. I think at like WHBQ or like something downtown, like something in the city. Yeah, and a little studio studio wrestling. little studio wrestling. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And then within maybe five years, all of a sudden it was like. Oh, these are fucking like st- huge stadium theater type things, and yeah. wrestling had become a national phenomenon. It's crazy. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to look back on what I've done and like the era I've wrestled in and consider it like art. But the stuff that you, I don't know if you got to see it or if you just grew I never up got around to see it, it, but it, but it was there. Uh, I mean, that stuff is. It's unbelievable to me. That stuff is art. Like Memphis wrestling and Andy Kaufman. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. And that's kind of like our world's colliding right there. And Kaufman is a comedian, entertainer, and yeah. the, the wrestling. I, that's that stuff. If I if I had the flux capacitor over there worked, that's probably all I would do. You'd go back in time. And I would go, go back in time and just go to wrestling shows and see bands. Maybe I never got to see. I'd see We're- you know, like the Misfits play like Jersey in 1981 or something like that. Oh yeah, that's right. You never see a time travel movie where someone just goes back to see all the favorite their favorite stuff from when they yeah, were. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go back in time and try to stop Hitler or stop you know John Wilkes <laughs> Booth from assassinating Lincoln or anything like that. No, I'm going to go see like Guns N' Roses in '86 play the Sunset Strip or something. And like then that, you're going to yeah. take Guns N' Roses back to play uh, and then murder Hitler. I'm a very selfish person. You're going to murder <laughs> Hitler with Guns N' Roses. That'd be, that'd be not, not a bad idea. <laughs> you'll just sit Hitler down with uh, Axl Rose for like 10 minutes and be like this guy is an egomaniac we would have to pick a more a way more Jewish band I think oh Who, just like, to fuck with Hitler yeah absolutely Isn't I, I think some of the misfits are Jewish actually like and, then, Jerry and, then, only. and then they get to kill Hitler yeah with yeah. the power of rock yeah with the giant uh, with the giant subwoofer that you bring from Doc Brown's lab <laughs> and you strike the chord it all comes around I love how uh, you know on the show when you did Talking Dead uh, I, there was a moment where I felt really bad because I, I think I said something to you like, you look like a lot of the people who used to beat me up. And you were like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that guy. Like, I was not, you know. And then as we kind of got to talk more, what I, and, and certainly being in your apartment, what I uncovered is this, like, this nerdy guy who's in the body of a Viking. Uh, okay. And, and so it's, uh, <laughs> Are you hitting on me? <laughs> hey, uh, let's just I'll take it. Let's I'll just take keep it. the microphones running. No, I, I definitely uh, I, I got stuffed in garbage cans just like you did. Did I, you? Yeah, absolutely, wow. absolutely. How did you keep from going further down the? Like, what was that? What kind of made you go? 
I'm going to work on my physical prowess so this will not happen I again? I think that had a big part of it. And I, when I became a sophomore in high school, um, two things happened. I growth spurt. I was suddenly taller than everybody. Yep. And um, Green Day became ex- exponentially popular. <laughs> And like you know, I mean, here's a here's a band that I loved and I saw play a bowling alley, and then fast forward 12 months, they're selling out the Aragon Ballroom and it's on MTV. So yeah. all of a sudden, everybody who picked on me wanted to be my friend. Suddenly, blue hair was cool, you know. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah, weird. It's very weird. Did, was it the where would you where, where did you grow up? Where's that scene? Uh, I was born in the city, and I grew up uh, in a place called Lockport. Okay, maybe like 40 minutes south of here. So you were literally like the Charles Atlas ad from the back of the magazine. <laughs> it's like when you're kicking in some little some little kid's face, and the next it's like I'm gonna stuff you. I'm gonna stuff you in a fucking trash can. Well, I, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's that's. I wouldn't stuff anybody in a trash can, but I, it prevented myself and others from being continually stuffed in trash cans. Well, because you know, much like uh, Peter Parker, all of a sudden you had this. You <laughs> you had this sort of weird responsibility. Like you had greater power. Did you understand at the time that you had to use it responsibly, or did you want to go back and just beat the shit out of everybody? No, I I, I don't like fighting. Is contrary to popular belief, uh, getting punched in the face is still one of my least favorite things in the world. So it's not like I would go around and pick fights. Um, I just I would certainly be quick to defend myself or my friends. Yeah. So if me and you were pals and somebody was stuffing you in a garbage can, I would I would help I would help you. I would appreciate that. No I would definitely need the help. I mean, I tried it, you know, late, later in my, like, early in my 30s, I was like, you know, I think I need to start exercising because I don't want to hit 50 someday and, and, and then just feel like, oh, Di- my, diabetes. My, my body's, my body's just given up. My body's just given up. Okay. Um, my, my, we were talking about him before you started recording, my friend Cole Cabana. Uh, he said, you, do you box? I do well. I, I boxing was part of my training um, for a, for a long time. It was hard stuff, man. And then I kind of I kind of edged off it a little bit because uh, my wrists were starting to hurt. It, you know, like if I'm exercising responsibly, and my trainer's amazing. Like he's yeah. the best. His philosophy is always like you, you know you have to leave better feeling better than when you got here. Um, which is some days that means we stretch. Some days you know we we do some light stuff, but then other days when I'm punching. It's hard for me to not punch as hard as I can. Yeah. And then at a certain point, when my wrists are sore, I go, why do I... I don't have... There are so many other things I can do to exercise than to hit something. Yeah, but it's fun. <laughs> and I know it is fun. I think the surprising thing is if, if I were to get into a fight, weirdly, if I could remember everything without being thrown off, I could probably hit someone pretty hard. You just start throwing combinations. I would just start throwing combinations. (laughs) If they would stand still. Most people in street fights always think it's just like a one-punch ordeal. No. No. No, because someone's going to, you know, but then I also know that it's never going to, it's never going to be like a gentleman's boxing match. Like if if you're, if someone attacks you or someone goes after you, they're going to go for your knees or they're going to like try to smack your face into the ground. Like there's no, every, every great martial arts or a trainer or everyone that I've ever talked to has said the last thing you want to do is get into a fight ever Yeah, because you just don't know no, it's not, it's it's not, not worth it yeah and you don't know it, it sounds stupid you don't know who's got a knife exactly a gun yeah and you don't also you don't want to accidentally kill someone like no. if someone you I don't smash, even want to I don't even want to punch anybody you know yeah. and then they find out who you are and then they want money and yeah. <laughs> Good it's God. like like Chuck Norris, you know, like for I had to just have a bodyguard around just for people that tried to kick the shit out of him. Like right. you're not so tough. Like yeah. oh come on, give me a fucking break. 
Yeah. Can't you just enjoy Walker, Texas Ranger? I love that show. <laughs> Who doesn't? Walking Dead, Texas Ranger. Wow. Chuck Norris. Wow. Maybe, maybe if the show drops off in like 10 years, we can start doing... We can reboot it. We, we can do cameo guest appearances. You get Steven Seagal on there. Oh. <laughs> By that point, we'll have perfected the Chuck Norris bot. Like, science, within 10 years, we'll have a Chuck Norris bot. Uh, he's probably a robot already. <laughs> he does look a little robot-y. Have you seen Expendables 2? No, how is it? It's... I... It's it's the worst best movie you'll ever see. I mean, you kind of know what you're getting. Yeah, with it. absolutely. And like, yeah. I I went with a bunch of buddies and we hooted and hollered. One uh, actually, one of my friends is a, a local stand-up comedian. Um, his name's Marty DeRosa. Free plug for Marty. Nice. And we went and he was killing me throughout the movie. He was saying the the most ridiculous shit, you know. Um, and to me, that's the kind of I hate when people talk during the movies. So luckily, we we're the only ones in there. <laughs> that's not good for Expendables too. Yeah, and he kept uh, he just kept throwing one liners, and he elbowed me at one point. And said that's that was supposed to be Patrick Swayze's role, and like <laughs> <laughs> they all all those guys. I, this fucking kills me, but they've all had so much work done yeah. that they all just look like old lady dolls. They look like dolls of old ladies. Well, the, 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 to get back to Chuck Norris, he doesn't do shit in the movie. He literally he walks towards people with two big machine guns and just shoots. Yeah, and like he's got a couple of lines, but like he doesn't do anything. He don't see him run. You know, he doesn't briskly jog. He doesn't move. He just kind of slowly walks, and then of course I I had to 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 Google it, and he's like almost eighty years old. Well, if you're Chuck Norris, uh, the the people walk into the bullets for you. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't have to. I didn't realize he was almost eighty. He's pretty old. I, I'll probably be wrong about him being almost 80, but he's at least 70. He's much closer to 80 than we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel like we should high-five after that. Hell, yeah. <laughs> that's where you have to... Like, as you as you start getting, like, well into your 30s and, and then early 40s, it's like that, that, that that's where you take the victories. You're like, well, I'm not 80. It's, it's, it's always so comforting to talk to someone like Mel Brooks where you go, he's 86 years old, wow. and he still, still fires on all cylinders. And then you go, all right, you know, maybe... Do you feel the crushing weight of time on your shoulders always, or does that not me? You not think about that? No, stuff? I feel the crushing weight of what I do for a living on my I shoulders. I guess that's true. You know? Yeah, literally on my shoulders. <laughs> stuff, stuff hurts, man. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure out what's next. How did you, how did you ultimately get into wrestling? Uh, I. I think I, I mean I was a nerd. Obviously, I, I liked stuff that. I, I, I pigeonholed myself, and I, I found myself attracted to everything that everybody else hated. Mm-hmm. You know, so like punk rock, uh, wrestling. I'm straight edge, so I don't drink or do drugs. So yeah. I, I really just kind of alienated myself in a way. But uh, <laughs> wrestling, just, the, the circle gets smaller and smaller of people that you can uh, abso- hang out. Absolutely, with. Uh, people who I have like a lot of things in common with. But I just fell in love with wrestling when I was a kid. I watched Roddy Piper smash a coconut over Jimmy Snuka's head, and I was just like. This is the wildest thing. You know, as a kid, I, I thought a couple things. That's awesome. This guy, he's not the biggest guy. I, I, wasn't, I was never the biggest guy. Um, so I could probably do what he does. And all he does is just talk shit and get away with it. Yeah. And that fascinated me. And that was my defense mechanism. Even when people were punching me in the face constantly, I was still mouthing off to him. you know? Yeah. But I also thought they were all millionaires. I was like, this guy, he's on television, obviously. Like, so he obviously he's on television. So obviously he has all this money. And, you but know. it doesn't really work that way, I don't think. I mean, my, my, my understanding is that the, um, there's this sort of this, this unified body of, of world wrestling 
kind of, and I, I might be wrong, and so I, I invite you to correct me as much as possible, um, but essentially just owns everything, and then just is kind of like, okay, you can be this guy, and you can be this guy, and, and do they do they sort of pull the strings, or how does well, that work? It's, it's like that now. I think um, I got a lot of friends who are in bands, um, and, and I think what you do, and being in a band and being a wrestler, there's a lot of parallels. You, sure. don't, you don't start off on The Tonight Show. No. You don't, you don't start off and get your own comedy special, right. you know? Um, I, I paid some guys a bunch of money to basically beat me up. You know, they teach you how to fall the right way. They teach you how to run the ropes, and then the rest is kind of up to you. You know, I don't. I don't think anybody ever taught you how to, to write a joke. There's really probably I wish no, they would. There's probably no formula. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just. It's. I, I think it, it's. It's your passion and what you bring to the table that allows you to do what you do. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I learned all the fundamental stuff, and then I, I jumped in a car with a couple of buddies, and we just drove all over Hell and Creation. Whoever would let us work there, we'd work there. I mean, for free. We, we, you know. How does it work, how does it work in, 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 in wrestling where you... I mean, because with stand-up, you go, okay, you know, I'm opening for someone. All right, I'm middling, so I get to do the, I get the feature spot, so I get to do 25 minutes. Okay, now I get to headline, but I'm headlining in shitty clubs. Oh, I'm headlining in better clubs. Like, how does... Who decides, or how do you? What is it that you do to sort of rise the ranks? Uh, uh, I, once again, I think the parallels are all, all the same. You wind up seeing a lot of the same people working in, in different territories, yeah. so to speak. You know, um, and a lot of people just stay where they're at. And there's a lot of guys in Memphis. They were just Memphis wrestlers. Yeah. But we would drive, you know, uh, for a Saturday night, Saturday night show. We we would work. Um, like maybe a Friday in Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. for a Saturday shot, drive all the way to, to Philly to do a show in Philly, and then have to drive to Wisconsin to do like a four o'clock show on a Sunday. Oh my god! Yeah, we were. I mean, just I mean, it's brutal. And you you, you get your name out there, you bust your ass, you work hard, and you, people would trade tapes. You know, fans yeah. on the internet and stuff like that would trade tapes. Um, and you just you get more well known, more promoters call you, more promoters want you. We want the CM Punk Colt Cabana match uh, at this show, and then next thing you know, you're 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 wrestling in Cleveland, you're going out to California, and then the next thing you know, somebody offers you a plane ticket, and you're like, holy shit, I'm flying! Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is amazing. And then you just you you work your way up, you know, and that that's that's all I ever did. Do you find that? Uh, it, it, I, I actually, the more you talk about it, the more it feels like it's almost exactly like comedy. Yeah, it's work. gotta be because you're sort of crafting your. Your state, you know, your 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 stage persona, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, and and you as you as you go through, it, is there any part of it that's like, well, this is more me, or this character is the opposite of me, or this is my voice, or it just feels like a natural extension of who I am? Well, I I like being a bad guy because I, I think that's it's for me it is a natural natural extension yeah. of who I am. You yeah. know, I I can I can. It's a lot easier for me to get people to hate me than it is for them to like me. It's, it's kind of fun too. Yeah. Oh no. No. Absolutely. Trust you always me. remember the bad guy in a movie. I, I love, I love being able to push people's buttons. I love being able to walk to the ring and see somebody and know like what I can say to them that's going to get them so pissed off that they you know they spit on me or you know something something <laughs> horrible you know. I mean, guys back in the day used to get stabbed. You know, they used to they used to follow them out of the building and you know slash their tires, set their car on fire. You mean like the fans would, or you yeah. mean like the fans, yeah? Some of the listen, I'm not I'm not saying all, but some of the wrestling fans are are kind of terrifying. Yeah, like, like the yeah. guys, the guys who were 
the the worst to me on on you know social media or just say like you're a fucking I want to beat the shit. I, like you kind of look at their profile and it's always the same kind of dude. Me and you need to to sit and just <laughs> scroll through our, our our at mentions and just read. Read them to each other. I want someone. I want like some sort of a freakonomics thing where we 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 track data points because there would it's it's and and the thing is that a lot of times I want to tell them like you don't even understand how predictable of a data point you are, yeah. but it's always like it's like a fuck white, you pussy yeah exactly <laughs> it's usually like a white doughy dude the eyebrows maybe be almost migrating together uh, you know there's and, and like there's a bunch of wrestlers that that, that they're following or it's an egg. Or an egg. It's always an egg. <laughs> and every everything is like, fuck you, you're a pussy, or come yeah, on. Right. You just you just need to be hugged. And someone didn't hug you. The funny thing when it comes to that with me is what what I do is obviously, you know, people don't like use the word fake, but yeah, it is what it is. It's predetermined, you know yeah. what I mean? Like so what you see on TV, you know, the stuff I'm doing, it, it's it's not reality. But I still have people, you know what I mean? Like there's there's a really weird they think it's a documentary. There's, a, there's an interesting yeah. cross section of people that you know. There's there's the smart wrestling fans that right. will just be like, "Oh, you're 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 boring," right? You know, like they try to intelligently insult me if that's possible. But <laughs> then there's still there's the people who 100 percent believe it, and sometimes they're little kids. But when I click on that picture and I look, and it's like it's a grown woman or a grown man, and they're saying these most horrible things. You you know, yeah. Like, it makes me laugh. It's kind of funny. Well, it also I, makes me tremble for the future. Those are really funny when you find someone that tells you, like, when they say, like, uh, you suck, you piece of shit. I hope you fucking choke on glass. And then you look at their profile, and then, it, and then the description is just like, just living for the Lord and loving my kids. You're yeah. Like, and so sometimes I'll, I'll write back and go, how is that living for the Lord and loving your kids? Yeah. And they're like, my kids don't read Twitter yet. Fuck you. And you're like, oh but my how God. How do you have time to tweet? You, have, you know, <laughs> with your, your Jesus infatuation and your children. I mean, come on. But it is, uh, it is I, I, I'm glad to see that it is all, all totally parallel. And, and, you know, a lot, and a lot of the wrestling fans I meet are really great. And I think people really do understand. But it's interesting now, when, when, when wrestling first started, and I was a kid, of course, you know, there was no internet, and there was no, you know, and the, so the good old days. The good old days, and so we would we would watch wrestling and and have the debates of like it can't be real. Of course, it's real. He hit him with a chair. Right. He jumped off a. You can't fake that. Right. But now, because there's so much peeking behind the curtain of everything, it's interesting that that people know that it's like, well, this is a show. Yeah. This is not... It's like, you know, luchadors, you know? Like. But it's, you'd be so surprised because it still shocks the hell out of me that people will, will say stuff to me all the time that, that blurs the lines. And I'm looking at them like, okay, do you, you just told me that you know that it's predetermined, but then you, you, you said I'm a real bastard for what I did. I don't, yeah, you know, and then that's when you you slowly back away. All right, there's almost sort of a microcosm of like a supreme being and determinism, and do any of the choices matter because the outcome is already set in stone? <laughs> like there's almost there's almost a weirdly religious parallel to wrestling uh, to the rest of the world, and yet um, it you no matter what happens, are you pretty much fine with whatever they say, or do you get any say, or is there pushback, or you know, no, there. When I, I think when you're at a, a certain level, when you're one of the guys that's kind of pulling the cart, so to speak, and yep. you know you're you're 
selling a, a, a ton of merchandise and you're you know you're one of the guys so to speak i if they ever said anything to me that i would be 100 percent against i you know they'd be fine with it it's not it, it's not a, the dictatorship i think a lot of people think it is yeah um for i think a lot of lower level guys they're just so piss pants afraid that they're going to lose their job over any little thing. I don't think they would say no to anything. Yeah. But when you know you're in you're in a position such as I am, and I, whatever power I have, I, I don't wield you know maliciously. I you know, but there's there's hardly ever anything that I, I I've said no to. Yeah. I mean, to me as a bad guy, especially, um, I'm. Mm, I'm getting shot down a lot more with my ideas because I want to do all these horrible, horrible things. You <laughs> like know? what? Like what? And, like what I mean, and we, we are a PG show, so you know, half the time, uh, just a couple of things that I didn't think I would get away with that I did. Um, you'd have to YouTube it to completely understand. I sang happy birthday to uh, Rey Mysterio's little daughter when she, I mean, she was like seven years old and she was in the ring and they were like celebrating his daughter's birthday <laughs> and I came out and like it was a really uncomfortable <laughs> really uncomfortable situation because like this guy's with his family and his daughter you know and yeah. I was just like what are you going to do about it right because if you do anything about it I'm going to beat you up in front of your you know what I mean and it, <laughs> that's so you put the good guy against the wall in that way you know with his family out there and like that that actually I got a lot of um, death threats for that and it doesn't sound bad as I'm vocalizing it to you now but if no you, it actually I totally understand because you it's I think one of the things that I will say is is really interesting to me about the way that wrestling is written and the way the characters develop and is that, um, you know, it, I think a lot of film could take a lesson from the kind of emotional, the emotional uh, uh, sine wave, I guess, of, you know, you have to create enough motivation to want someone to get the shit beaten out of them. That's the so, idea. And then, so then you're, you're constantly taking the emotional uh, center of the fans and shifting it right and shifting it left. And forcing them to take this emotional journey, which is right. really interesting. No, that's that. That's absolutely that's my job is to get people to want to you know, see somebody beat the hell out of me. Yeah. A lot of the times, they themselves want to try to beat the hell out of me, but you know, <laughs> jumping in the ring is the wrong idea, everybody. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I think everybody can relate to that. There's a lot of people who have children. They you know they have a mom and a dad, and they're celebrating this little girl's birthday, and then here comes this guy with his gang. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, I looked like Jesus at the time with his long beard, his <laughs> long hair. Like I was, I was pretty creepy at the time. The 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 last thing that I uh, pitched that I thought Vince was gonna be like, no, no way, you can't do that. It was Jerry Lawler just had a heart attack yeah. like three, four months ago. He came back after two months um, to resume his commentary duties and I was all over it. And we we faked a heart attack in the ring while I was talking shit oh, to him. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And like there's and see there's there's people that one hundred percent. They're they're wrestling fans. They're the smart fans, and they know. And they, oh, that was that was too much. That was just too much. They should have just let Jerry had his good moment. And yeah. uh, that's not that's not that's not the idea. Right. You know. You know what I mean? Like I'm a bad guy. I, I I saw this perfect opportunity to piss a lot of people off. You know. And I Vince let me do it. He was like, "That's a great idea." And I was just like, <laughs> "This is amazing." I love that Lawler. Like he's such he's such a pro, and he's been around so long. Oh yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. I don't that, I don't do. think he he couldn't have thought for one second that he. And the thing is, Lawler ran Memphis for for years and years and years. If this was still Memphis. If we weren't PG, I would have been claiming I killed Jerry Lawler with a heart punch. You know, right. what, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he would have been all over that, and we would have we would have built for, like, some big CM Punk Jerry Lawler 
you know, cage match or something like that. Like, that's, you know, and so people nowadays saying that we exploited the art. Like, yeah, of course we did. Like, look what we do. You know what's the what's the ridiculous like what's the line of where it gets like okay that's too silly like you know for instance Jerry Lawler has a heart attack they take him off then you kind of follow back into the nurses quarters or whatever and then you start fighting with the orderlies or the doctor or like is it is it is there a line where you're like okay that's too silly no one's gonna believe that that would actually happen uh jeez I mean I I don't know because I mean that was that was a serious deal you know I mean the guy did he, he had a heart attack ringside doing commentary right after I got done wrestling him <laughs> and uh you know like they they I mean they were working on him they took him in an ambulance and like every you know everybody thought it was it that was it that was the last we were ever going to see of him so um but i mean if it was a planned thing i don't think anything's too silly i think uh if you don't plan on um going too far in a lot of ways in in life that you don't you're not going to go far at all what's the what do you what is the sustainability of a, of a wrestling career what do you think what do you think is the essential element that you know do you do you have to keep going from good to bad to good to bad or because if you're bad is, is, that a, is that a limited resource? Like, you can only, at a certain point, you're like, ah, okay, he's a uh, I, I think you have to evolve. I think it's just evolution of your character. I don't think there's been anybody who's just been on TV doing the same thing for a sustainable amount of years. You yeah. know? And I think the average career in the WWE is like three, three years, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a big turnaround, you know? The, and the guys uh, who I think make it to the top and stay there are the ones who constantly evolve their character and it's not necessarily flipping from good to bad you just there's there's changes you know what i mean um a perfect example would be a guy like the undertaker sure you know he was like this total cartoon character when he started right like he was you know i I don't he was he was essentially a zombie that's the whole reason i thought he was was a great character right but you can't do that you know he's he's been here for over 20 years he couldn't have been that same guy that debuted in 91 or whatever for 20 years you know right. what I mean so he, he evolved you know and guys get hurt and they go away and they come back six months later and it's like all of a sudden oh you, you, we forgot about you we love you again you know yeah. it's, it's fresh again you gotta, you gotta evolve you can't do the same set no I mean could you imagine doing the same set for 20 years I, I would kill myself <laughs> some people do like there are some comics who like you know, they just kind of get their set and they just travel. I could see Don Rickles doing, <laughs> you know, and oh I would go and I would go see Don Rickles. I would love the to same see Rickles jokes. live. Rickles is one of the guys I've never seen live. Really, but I met him at a party once and he was amazing. He's such a great guy. That's, he's like, he's like, come here, and he just started talking about comedy. Here's what you gotta do. People know that when I say stuff, it's not that I'm really mean. Like he just laid out the whole thing, uh, pretty much in the same way that you're that you're talking about. Like he, Brilliant. Rickles has his wrestling character, yeah, which is that guy. God bless the old timers, man. Right? Oh man, I could sit in a room and listen to anybody who's excellent at their craft. Like I could listen to him for hours. And I, I, going back to it, I think there's so many parallels between what I do, what you do, you know, tons of friends. There's no question. There's no question because you have to, you, you have to find, you have to find, figure out who you are and what you want to say and develop that and then figure out how you can sort of mine that into the, what the final product is. It's a, it's an odd, uh, although I do feel like you have the ability to really be more diametrically opposite to who you really are as a way to sort of live you're sort of living vicariously through your own character in a way yeah. sort of, where you get to be that guy that's not you but maybe it's it's still kind of 
I, I kind of lucked out in that way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like a hello, everybody. I'm an astronaut. You right. know, I'm not. I'm not playing this this far out character. Uh, you know, and and when I when I developed the whole the straight edge thing, like you know, because I I I've pretty much been straight edge my entire life. You know what I mean? So it, it never occurred to me to use that in wrestling. When I was wrestling, I was just you know. I just started wrestling because I wanted to wrestle. Can you probably? I, I I wonder. Did you feel like it was just too close to yourself? No, I just didn't. I just, just didn't, didn't think about. I it. didn't think about well, it. That, that's you know what, what I mean? mean. It's too close to yourself that you just don't think. Like, no. oh, I should probably. Make it was. That a it thing. was actually. It was my girlfriend at the time, Natalie, who was just like, "Dude, everybody hates us because we're straight edge." You know what I mean? Like, you tell Pete, you tell anybody out on the street, like, "Hey, I don't, I don't drink or smoke," and they're like, "Why? What? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean?" Or, or the the second thing is they immediately think that you are some recovering heroin addict. Sure, you know what I mean? So, oh, oh you know. But no, and then um, I was wrestling a lot in uh, West Dallas, Wisconsin, at a, uh, a Knights of Columbus, and I think the main draw for this Knights of Columbus was that they sold like dollar beers. Yeah. So they would have this wrestling show once a month or twice a month, and they would put 500 people in this little unfinished basement of a, a Knights of Columbus, and there'd be like a riot every goddamn every goddamn night I was out there because I would go out there and I would just be like, hey, listen. I'm straight edge. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. And here, all you fat Wisconsin, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, there's no guardrails. There's just people with all, you know, two fist and beers. They start dumping beer on me, and I would, I would roll out of the ring and just sock somebody in the face, and just like all hell would break loose. Like, I was like, oh, I'm really onto something here. This is. <laughs> that sounds kind of fucking amazing. Because at the same time. Within the body of this character, you actually get to express this social commentary that you yeah. probably actually believe, and uh, <laughs> that's really gratifying. And I think alcohol is a powerful drug. You take you take something like pro wrestling and you put it smack dab in the middle of people who are just, I mean, shit hammered. Yeah, they're like, you know, I can do that. You know, I can't tell you how many times people would just get up, walk into the ring, and it would just fucking just be curtains for them. Well, but Cur- your your job is to make it look. Seamless. Though. Right, and my job is to make them mad, but you you add that without you know you, you throw alcohol in the mix and it's, anything goes, man. I know yeah, those well, are those are the lawless CM Punk days. Our our, yeah. uh, our list, my my the, the listeners on the show have heard me talk about this a million times, but I've been sober for almost ten years, and um and but it wasn't really I didn't I didn't choose to do it as you know like I think alcohol is you know like it wasn't really it was more that I knew that I was really irresponsible with it. Right, uh, and so I was like, "Yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this anymore." But you say you're, you're pretty much your whole life. Yeah. What What was the What was the sort of underlying? The basis for it was my dad was an alcoholic. That was it. Yeah. You know, um, and never, never like in a violent way. You know what I mean? But yeah. just like uh, there was always. There's always cartons of cigarettes, and there was always uh, a case of old style, mm-hmm. or many cases of old style. Yeah, and you know what I mean. And sometimes there weren't Christmas presents. So, right. in my mind, I was like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, the, the ultimate bummer for a kid. Like, just whatever, and just, just just seeing my dad the way you know the way he was and stuff like that. I just made up my mind. I was like, well, I'm staying away from that shit. But don't you think there's an interesting personality trait that some people have because it, it's it's usually either when when you live in an extreme situation like that. It's usually one or the other. You either become that, or you become like my dad's. My dad is a casual drinker, but he drinks almost every day. Like he just has a few beers, right. you know. But his dad, he and his dad had a terrible relationship, and as a result, 
he and I have an amazing relationship because right. he wanted, but it's to, it totally could have gone the other way. Where, you're, you're, I'm, I firmly believe like your parents and your surroundings will make you who you are, whether that's good or bad. You know what, what do I mean? you think that is? What do you think it is that makes some people take the, the, the path of light and other people take the path of darkness? I, I don't know. I, I, intelligence, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I would like to think that, you know, because uh, I, I pretty much at 15, you know, not only did I think I knew everything, obviously, but I, I had a pretty good handle on who I was and stuff like that. And the guy you're talking to right now isn't really that much different than that 15-year-old. I mean, look at my house. You yeah. know what I mean? Like... This is, this is what my room looked like when I was 15. This place is just bigger. Isn't know? it nice that we live in a time where we can be grown-ups and still... Like, th- there wasn't anything that was like, okay, I have to put the, I have to put the Wolfman paintings away because no. I'm an adult. Like, that we still get to enjoy this extended adolescence where we go, hey, I really love this, this stuff and why shouldn't I have it on? Uh, I, I, I predicted this boom um, probably when I was 15. The first job I ever had was at a comic shop. So, you know, you sit around with your buddies all day and you just, you just bullshit. And I was like, someday our generation is going to run things. You know what I mean? We're going to have cars named after Transformers. <laughs> where, you know, you're going you're gonna to get like the Nissan, you know, sound wave and stuff like that. And oh, I, I that think, would be awesome. I think we're partially living in that now. I mean, you know, uh, look at the, the, the Nolan trilogy, the Batman flicks. We get to go see Avengers, you know. All yeah. this awesome stuff is happening. And it was stuff I dreamed about when I was a kid. I, I was just, I did, a, I did the WGN Morning News this morning and... Um, uh, this Pat, the, I think the sports guy, was really cool and super into Dark Knight and super into Walking Dead. And one of the anchors was this really nice lady, but she just didn't understand the Batman thing. She was like, what is it? What are you guys, 15? We're like, no, you don't understand. The Batman franchise should not have been able to be resurrected. Like, it was so murdered. Right. And just trying to explain to her, like, this is why this is awesome. And she just she just couldn't couldn't connect with it. Some people don't get it. I'm proud. To, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still 15 at heart, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's sort of the luxury that we have, yeah. I think, of, of, our, of our generation. I mean, in a way, we're sort of culturally spoiled. Uh, whereas, you know, our parents or our grandparents, it was like, you have to work. You know, this is a post-war era. There's no time for comic books. There's no time go for to the you factory. work. Yeah. You get married. You have kids. You know, you, maybe you go to church on Sundays and then, you, and then go to college and major in something practical. Yeah. I don't even know what that means anymore. No. I never know what that meant. <laughs> School was not for me. Do you feel like we're Do you feel like we're culturally adrift, or do you feel like that this is a golden age? Oh, jeez, I don't know. It depends on who you, you interact with, I suppose. You know, I mean, because there's for for all the the good people that you talk to that are into the same things and doing good things. There's there's the I don't know. I guess the lazy ones. You know what I mean? Like uh, I don't know how to articulate it correctly, but. Um, I could definitely see how the generation ahead of us will look, can look at us and be like, you know, like, oh, I'm wearing a comic book T-shirt, so I'm I'm a slacker. You right. Know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I get that. I, I can see that because I see people all the time that you know they they're not doing anything. There's actually a group. Uh, have you ever encountered crusty punks? No. Uh, my 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 absolute mortal enemies in my neighborhood. There's a group of crusty punks that around spring and summertime they come around. They they wear these weird quasi uniforms. They all wear like these green drabby clothes, and they they 
looks like they rub dirt on their faces and they, they go and they panhandle for change. Oh, that's not what I was hoping it would be. No, I, 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 I was hope, I was hoping it was a it was a punk movement based on Krusty the Clown. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm gonna kick your fucking head in. <laughs> no, but and then you know, and these kids they panhandle for change all day and then they go to their Lincoln Park you know condos and live live with mommy and daddy. But every time I see them out, they're, they're, they're disruptive, they're rude, they're ignorant, they make stupid signs. It's not just like, you know, hungry, need food. They write stupid junk on their signs, and, you know, I've, I've, they're, they're my mortal enemy. If I had a, a, an enemy in a comic book, it would, it would be these. <laughs> now, do you feel like that because we're grown-ups, we just don't understand them? I already feel like there's the, you know, like I, I, see, I see teenagers now, and... And I go, oh yeah, I get it now. I get why older people, when I was a kid, were like, you don't fucking know what you're talking about. I'd be yeah, like, yeah, why 100%. are they so mean to me? I'm just being myself, man. You don't get it. And now I feel like, oh, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm yeah. on the other side. You feel yeah. old. You do feel old, yeah. Because, and, and I really understand why. I always thought when I was a teenager, like, look, when I get older, I'm going to understand how to talk to teenagers. Because I'm a teenager now. But some sort of a weird thing happens, and I guess it's just because you're older, they, they biologically do not want to connect with you. Absolutely. And it just, did you, you watch Louis C.K.'s show? Yeah. He's an amazing episode with his, where his niece comes to stay with him, and he just tries to talk to her, and she's just like, will not respond to him. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's like, oh yeah, that's exactly, they don't, the kids, you're, they're just programmed to go, fuck you, you don't, you don't know me, and you don't know what you're talking about. And I was very much like that when I was a kid. You know, I didn't want to talk to any grown-ups. You know, I just want to talk to people that were my age or whatever. Now, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I feel old. Uh, I felt really old. I, I just, I think it might have been the most recent Tosh point oh, and he made it like a One Direction joke, and I didn't even laugh, and I was just like, "What's One Direction?" <laughs> I know what One Direction is. It's the next, it's the next boy band. Yeah. You know, but I was just like, he's not even aiming at my demographic. You know, like right. I felt like last week's episode, he was really. He was telling jokes for me, <laughs> and now he went one direction. And Last week was New Kids on the Block, right? Then In Sync the week the week after, and then One Direction. He's just evolving, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'm old. Well, it's they're not for us. That's one of those groups where I'm like, One Direction. Like I saw one thing about them, and then all of a sudden, they're on all these billboards in Los Angeles, and they're everywhere. And you're like, who the fuck? You know who I heard about him? How I heard about him first? No, yeah. Twitter. Somebody tweeted me and said, fuck you, you pussy. I bet you like One Direction. The guy who's typing that, I always, what I hope happens, and I know this doesn't happen, but what I hope happens is they type it and send it, and then later they're going, hey, you know, uh, I sent this thing to CM Punk and I told him he was gay because of One Direction, and then his friends go, yeah, and? Always the gay thing. Yeah, they I always, think, they like, they always think that. that's the most insulting and thing. I was going to say, like, I wish I were cool enough to be gay. I just always want to reply, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with being gay. Yeah, why that, is yeah. that an insult? Yeah, you would say that. No, yeah. seriously, guys, enough with the you're gay dot dot dot. It's not an insult, and, and you're just a piece of shit. And spell it right. It's not <laughs> Y-O-U-R. Please. There's an apostrophe R-E at Please the understand like, contractions versus God possessives. damn it, it drives me batshit crazy. I love the you're an idiot, Y-O-U-R, an idiot. Yeah. Like, you are a, uh, the embodiment of irony, yeah. and you don't even understand. I'm a grammar Nazi. <laughs> That's all I do on Twitter is correct people. It's correct people's grammar. You yeah. should... 
<laughs> you know what we should do is make a series of videos with you on the Nerdist channel of CM Punk's Grammar Guide. I would love to. <laughs> we'll just have you go through and to. correct people. Okay, here's why this is wrong. Well, if you feel strongly about this and you're going to try to insult somebody and prove your point, we should at least <laughs> grammatically go through it and make sure it's correct. Do you need another dangling participle? Because this one's about to fall off here. Uh, I, could, I could wear a, a graduation cap. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, you, do, do you ever see yourself going into uh, any kind of broadcasting? Because you're... I'm clearly smart and very articulate, and and it, and it feels like if you want it and you have you can talk. So, uh, do you feel like that's a that's a direction that you might a one direction that you might, might go in? <laughs> uh, I you know I don't think it's anything I'd actively pursue. You know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not looking for a job, obviously. So uh, you know I don't know. And the thing about wrestling is I, I I've. Um, I've had this long career already. You know, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been with WWE for it's like almost eight. You yeah. know, so I'm not. I'm not really. Obviously, I, I can't just sit on my couch. I'm gonna have to do something once this is all over. Yeah. And it, it's it's a rough it's a rough job. So it could be over whenever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if opportunities kind of show up. I would take them as they come but I'm not sending applications into uh, to radio stations you watch the wrestler and be like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) no I actually uh, that's actually one question a lot of us probably get a lot like if we like that or not like you know I I did I did like it a lot of people within my company hate the fact that I say that I like that movie because they don't want people to believe like that's what happens yeah and and I don't think it's a wrestling thing I, I think it's a it's an irresponsible thing, you know. Yeah. The character in that movie wasn't in the position he was in because he was a wrestler. He was in that position because he was irresponsible. Right. You know. Are a lot of wrestlers irresponsible? Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know. But I, I think that's that's the majority of the world. You know what I mean? Like we always we always get a, a target drawn on us by um, media outlets when when somebody dies because oftentimes somebody dies because it's. A drug overdose or something like sure. that, you know, that's no secret. Uh, but did they overdose because they were a wrestler, or did they overdose because they were just an irresponsible right. human being? You know what well, I mean? Well, it's 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 a much better looking headline to say yeah. wrestling killed dot dot that as opposed yeah, absolutely. to this individual made a poor choice and probably could have gotten help sooner and it's sad that no one helped them and then they just have to vilify someone. Uh, yeah, and I understand it. It still makes me, you know, uh despise Nancy Grace that's all <laughs> okay <laughs> you, but you can't uh, have, would you ever go on and talk to her would you ever go on I'd give it a shot she doesn't let anybody get a word in edgewise but I, I, I think I'd be able to take her <laughs> you just have someone off to shoot her with a trank dart <laughs> and it's like as she starts to you know as it starts to take effect you'd be like now you're gonna listen to me wake her up yeah what do you think is the ultimate message that you have or like is there is there something do you, do you do you feel a responsibility in the position you're in that, that a lot of that a lot of people listen to what you say and a lot of people are influenced by you? Do you feel a responsibility to put some sort of a of a mark into the world? Uh, it's it's weird because when I'm a bad guy, I you know I see no limits uh, and I don't want to you know I mean, WWE as a company does a lot of great things. You know what I mean? I do a ton of make a wishes. You know, um, I mean, John Cena does twice as many as I yeah. do, and he's the good guy. So you're going to see that. You yeah. know what I mean? They're going to be like, John Cena just did his 300th wish. Yeah. I'm the bad guy, so I. it's not like I'm going to say no to doing a Make-A-Wish. Yeah. I don't want to broadcast that I'm doing it. Because then people are watching, oh, he's not such a bad guy. You know what I mean? But I don't, want, need to keep the I don't want that. Yeah. I, want peop- I want people to hate my guts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, 
we also are heavily involved in like this anti-bullying campaign, sure. Be a Star, which I think is great. But as a bad guy, I don't want to be like, hey guys, you know, don't be a bully because what I am on TV is a bully. Yeah. So it's this is totally weird. Well, that's interesting then because are, do do you feel any responsibility for perpetuating some of that, but like the bully mythos because of, you know, because it sucks that again that people watch and they go, yeah. That guy, he's real, and he's doing those things. I, I think I have to take some of the responsibility, but ultimately, in the end, the bad guy gets what's getting, what's coming to him. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it's theater. That's that's the story. You, you hope know? that's the case, and, and then and right, then, and then at least you, at least you, you, you can sort of draw the parallel and go, well, you know, when the Lone Ranger, like, if you see, like, if you watch like a western and someone gets shot up, and then a kid like shoots a gun, you can't. Again, it's like you can't blame the movie like that person. And that's where everybody says, well, that's what the parents are for, you know, uh, to try to help explain all that. But, you know, uh, that's got to be the hardest job in the world, being a parent. You know? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, have kids. I, you don't have kids either, do you? Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not <good. laughs> None that I'm aware of. Well, I, always, I, I say this obnoxious thing sometimes. My, um, my, my sister-in-law... You know, when we hung out in Nashville last week after I did the shows there, I was like, "You should have kids." They just had a baby. My my brother is a year older than I am, and he and his wife just had a baby. And uh, she's like, "You need to have kids." And I'm like, "You just had one. Why do you need everyone else to have a kid?" And then, and then I said something that somebody to play with. I, I and I said something that I think people with kids would think is obnoxious. Where I said, "My career is my child right now." But what I meant by that is. That's where the that's where my focus is, right. and it wouldn't be fair to bring a life into this world knowing that what I'm actually focused on is this other thing. Like that's not a reasonable. So I'm not going to do it, and I feel like that's a responsible choice. No, I think it's a very responsible choice. I'm on the road over 320 days a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the I, I I look across the locker room sometimes at the guys who have they're married. Yeah, you know they they have kids. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, I, I, I could I could lock my door and be gone, and I, I could not come back for six months. You know what yeah. I mean? I couldn't do that if I had a kid. So that, that's that's got to be hard. And yeah, I, I I think if I ever did have kids, I would have to not be wrestling to do it. Yeah. You know, because I don't want to neglect my kid the way I felt like. You know what I mean? I, I got neglected. You know, so I'd be like I'd be like your dad. I'd have a great relationship with my kids. <laughs> well, my dad and I had an okay relationship when I was younger. It got better when we both got older. Yeah. Um, my dad's great, but he always sort of wanted to be the uh, he wanted to be the buddy dad. You know, really? And yeah, as opposed because because he, he had such a shitty like I said he had such a shitty relationship with his dad oh, that he didn't okay. want him. You know, he wanted to be the like we're friends. Hey, come on, have a beer, have a beer. Yeah, yeah. he wanted to be have a beer dad. Um, which is uh, which is a little bit different than you know like firm but loving you know not disciplinarian but certainly like well there were structures and there were rules it was sort of like hey you know let's just be let's just be pals which is a which is a slightly different slightly different dynamic yeah I'm glad we have that now yeah nobody just gives you a manual right you have a kid like and anybody can have one yeah exactly anybody can have a kid and there's a Ke- lot of people that have kids that shouldn't have kids it's Keanu Reeves' speech in Parenthood. He's like, you need a license to fish, you need a license to hunt, but they'll let any asshole be a dad. And you're like, that's right, Keanu. It's true. It's the smartest thing he's ever said. <laughs> well, he didn't even write it. <laughs> what? Uh, what do you? Where are you in between right now that you're home for one of the forty days a year? Uh, well, the only reason I'm home is because I just had knee surgery. So, 
I, it's not like I'm missing a whole lot of shows though. Um, I'm leaving Saturday. We got a pay per view in Brooklyn on Sunday, and then we're doing Monday Night Raw on Monday, obviously, and then we're taping Monday Night Raw because Christmas is on Monday this year. Yeah. So we actually get Christmas off. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. But it's you're gonna broadcast on Christmas. Yeah, yeah. The the show will be on. We're just taping it on Tuesday in Pittsburgh, and then. Uh, Traditionally, the day after Christmas, uh, 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th, there's always five shows immediately after that yeah. uh, I'm currently right now not cleared to do. Okay. So for the first time in my career, I, I won't. I, it looks like I, I'll, I'll have a, a stretch where I'm actually at home. What are you going to do with yourself? I don't know yet. It's weird. It's freaky to like to. It's freaky when you're move. You, you probably find this, but you only ever get sick. When you stop. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for, for jinxing me. <laughs> no, not Chris. you. Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is you're never going to pull out of this, but it's going to be fine. Right. Um, no, but I mean, do you find that, that that you only ever start to not feel good when you when the momentum slows, like when the momentum stops? I'm that guy that doesn't get sick. Yeah. And, and if I do, I just I try to sleep. You know, I try to knock it out. But now that I'm saying that and you're, you've jinxed me, uh, I'm I sure I, I do get, have that power. I'm sure I will get strep throat. I do have that power. You probably have given me strep throat. I don't have strep throat. I just, uh, I, I was sick last week. There you go. But I'm See, better. The only yeah, thing... you're better, but you're still a carrier, Chris. <laughs> I may, I may. Here, I'm going to lick my finger. Just let me touch the corner of your eyeball. I'm think, sure, I'm sure nothing fine. good can happen. What, what happened was that um, I haven't done so many stand-up shows in a really long time. And it yeah. was after the comedy special aired. Then I had to like go back on the road and start getting new material together. And so I've done you know like 10 shows in, in a week. And uh, my throat just wasn't prepared. And since I got sick last week in Nashville... And I got better, but it's still like it totally chewed my throat up. Yeah, it'll knock you on your ass. It's it's no fun. So yeah. I feel fine, but I just sound like shit. You talk for a living. Yeah. I do talk for a living yeah. about zombies. You love Walking Dead too. I see the Walking Dead. Uh, I see some trade paperbacks over there. Yeah, I got my where's my Tor John my, my Tor Johnson ask a zombie tattoo. Oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I. That's another thing about me is tattoos. I'm such a nerd and like everything. People always make fun of me because I have stupid tattoos, but it's a Tattoos to me are subjective, you know. Like I've always been afraid of them. Oh, they hurt like hell. Don't, I'm not don't afraid ever, of the pain. Don't ever do it. I'm not afraid of the pain. I'm afraid of having something on my skin and then going, "Shit, that's not what I wanted. I can't get it off." Marshmallow on a stick. There's a piece of pizza right there, Chris. There's pancakes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice the grout was. Has, yeah, this food. It's yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, everything I love, I tattoo on myself. And is it, was that a spur of the moment thing? Or were you like, you know, I think I... I think no, I, I had a couple, this, this arm wasn't sleeved. I just had a couple of pieces. And then, uh, so I, I did the, the old school traditional tattoo, uh, the stars and dots yep. to, for filler. And some of the spaces were just too big. And my guy was like, what do you want in there? And I was like, how about my favorite foods? <laughs> there's a cupcake. There's a double scoop of mint chocolate chip on a sugar cone. Yeah. And did he was did he add anything that and you're like that wasn't I didn't like Pez you put that in there he always tells me he's gonna put balls on something so I very I, I could have balls on something I don't I don't know I don't know um, Steve Jones Steve Jones has that Steve Steve Jones you can't has. see it but I got the banner down there when the oh yeah and there's no room in hell 
Oh, that's on the dead will walk the earth. Absolutely, that's fucking sweet. Yeah, huge nerd. I'm living vicariously through your tattoos. That's fine. Because I just, I just don't. Yeah, my girlfriend has a bunch of tattoos, and she's like, "You don't understand. Once you start, it's very difficult it's bad. to stop. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah absolutely. She I don't just, know. The floodgates open. Something. She just got one a couple months ago, and she was like, "Yeah, and this will be it for a while." And then within a week, she was looking. You know. Like she has on her Pinterest page, there's a well, there's a whole bank of tattoos, and she's and like, the older you get, the worse they fucking hurt. <laughs> I would imagine. Oh, it's such a rotten idea. The, the worst is if you get like a really big one. If you know you're going to be sitting in a chair for five hours, it's yeah. just a horrible idea. That's five hours. Yeah, that's five hours of somebody hurting you. She said the one that actually hurt the worst was like on the inside of her middle finger. Yeah. She got white ink of a of a USB symbol, mm. and she said that one was actually. That's a cute tattoo it was a cute like yeah. she had a bunch of her friends went out and did it and I got three X's in there. oh yeah. man yeah those sucked yeah I'm just not I think I'm just don't do it I, I don't, don't think so. I'll get one for you I appreciate that right. I appreciate that I'll get something really ridiculous for you <laughs> just, just something out of my act what is the yeah what, what was the name of the pajamas you wear Kigurumi uh, Kigurumi well, I'm sure glad I just admitted that yeah the thing is, they're really comfortable. Dude, I, I never heard of them until you dropped that knowledge on me last night, and I was Googling it all night. It's like, like wearing barely, your spirit I, animal. I barely slept, because you said you had like a purple wolf. I have a purple wolf. I was wolf. like, oh, that, that, so that means they're not just sticking to like actual animals. You can get like wacky shit. I'm, totally wacky shit. You can, get, like, like the, you can get robots, you can get dragons, you can get all sorts of... Uh, and it's fucking Christmas time, so guess what I'm getting for Christmas, And buddy? you have a nice Christmas tree over there. Why the wouldn't you want to open your presents? First tree ever. The first tree I... I I hate Christmas. I'm I'm the Grinch if there ever was one. I'm not a Christmas guy, but uh, I figured since I'm actually going to be home because of this knee surgery deal, um, I, I bought a tree and like a man, I carried it on my back and I walked it home with knee surgery. Post like like seven days post knee surgery. Gotcha. I like to do stupid stuff like that. Now what is it? What is it? I, I flip back. I flip back and forth on Christmas every year. Some years I'm like it's I'm excited. And other years I'm like. They're just forcing you to feel an emotion at a certain time. You're like, I get really. That's a total hallmark it. holiday to me because I'm not religious. You know, um, the people who like Christmas because you know uh, Jesus and all that, more power to you. To yeah. me, it's presents. Yeah, that's really all it's ever been. And I'll, I'll do, I will honestly do my shopping on Christmas Eve. I'll buy everything for everybody on Christmas Eve, yep. and I'll feel proud of myself because wow, I just did that in two <laughs> hours. Look at all this stuff. I didn't spend weeks. And then I'll, this I'll pay my little sisters to wrap everything. That's good. Yeah. That's that's the nice thing about being in a position where you can. T- <laughs> Here, <laughs> I'll pay you. Please, just make this just go away. Wrap this shit. <laughs> get out of here. Well, you you can unwrap your presents in the Kigurumi when you actually get one. Christmas. They're fleecy. Christmas morning. I don't know what to say. I'm getting one. I'm gonna send you pictures of it. I I Chloe Chloe. <laughs> You're gonna get sick of me. <laughs> How about this one? How about this one? Chloe was so all over me about that. Like. Get one. You have to get one. I'm like, Chloe, you've got to drop this Kigurumi bullshit. I'm never going to get one. And then finally we were in Japantown. We were in Little Tokyo in, uh, in Los Angeles, and I got one. And I put it on, and then within five minutes I was like, this feels, feels pretty good. It's just like slippers. Old yeah. people have their slippers. Slippers oh, for your body. Are, they're so comfortable. Our nerdy generation, our slippers are going to be the fleecy Kigurumi. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're raising the bar. We're raising <laughs> the bar. I, I think, uh, I hope someday... Because I actually will start watching some of your... I'm totally... Like, once I have an emotional way into something, I'll watch. And now that you and I have become pals, now I'll watch wrestling. Because I'm like, oh, now I want to see what it's well, all about. I apologize ahead of time. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, again, I do have a... I, I had a history with when I was a kid. But uh, but I, I do want to see the, 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 the Kigurumi make an appearance 
Oh, I can do it on TV. Maybe yes. I will. See, I, I think I'm the only guy in the company who has the balls to do stuff like that. You know, <laughs> you need to beat the shit out of someone in a Kegel. Wearing one? I'll try to in fit like it in. like a Tanuki suit. I'll try to fit, fit one in. What are you looking forward to uh, movie-wise? Um, uh, Django Unchained on Christmas. Yeah. And nobody ever used to go to movies on Christmas. It would be, in all, be me and all my Jewish friends. And now everybody goes. So yeah. I think i got to buy tickets in advance. Um... You know what? I, I, it's not nothing I'm looking forward to, but you know what I wish Marvel would do is make a good Punisher movie. Oh yeah! Did you see the one that Thomas Jane? I hated it. Not not the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. Tom, um, I guess maybe last year he made uh, a fan film with this director Phil Joanu. Really? And it was basically like a 15 minute Punisher scene that I think was more in line with what you wanted. From the Punisher. Well, I just hate how they always—they've, in my opinion, they've always gotten it wrong, you yeah. know. And I'm, I'm talking with Marvel right now about writing something for them. Oh and, shit! And I keep pitching Punisher ideas because yeah. to me, you know, and I don't know if I'm going to insult a writer out there or something like that. To me, I think it'd be pretty easy, you know. Like this guy's motivation is the mob killed his family in front of him. And he was, he was a murderer in, in, in Vietnam, so he's just gonna he's just gonna he's gonna get revenge. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like revenge is never a straight line. So to me, the Frank Castle character is super interesting, uh, and I, I think I might be able to tackle that. You know what I mean? Uh, but I, I watch the Dolph Lundgren one, the Thomas Jane one, and the, the the Ray Stevenson one. I love Ray Stevenson. I still want to punch him in the stomach for making that fucking movie. <laughs> well, I think the problem is that uh, it's I I I, I don't know. I don't know why there's just that that one element that they just can't seem to crack with the Punisher where you go, oh yeah, that totally, I get it. That totally makes sense. There's always a, come on. But it's reasons like that which makes me continually nervous for you know Avengers and I was, I was biting my fingers like, oh, this is, what if this sucks? You know what I mean? And Avengers was amazing. They, yeah. they keep coming out with these awesome movies and I really, I really would like to see a, a, an excellent Punisher movie. That's really. Can you talk about what you're going to write for Marvel or no? I, I mean, it's it's in such an early stage of talking about it that we're just you know emails back and forth. What else are you reading? Are there any other comics you're reading that you like? Um, I, I don't read single issues because I don't have the patience for it. Like if I read something, I, I want to at least read a good chunk of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just did that with. I just read Walking Dead 105 last night, which just came out. <clears throat> And, and, and I'm like, ah, oh, and, and it just sort of ends, and I'm like, I have to wait till January. Yeah, see, I, that, that I can't, I can't do that. Um, what am I reading right now? Uh, I mean, the typical stuff. Like, I, I go by who writes stuff, you know. So anything Brew Baker does, anything Kirkman does. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Aaron is one of my favorite writers. Um, God, I. You see, two. I just bought all that stuff today. The the hundred bullets and all that. Um, the big ones. Do you read on the Do you read on the iPad or do you like to touch? No, the... I gotta have the the comic book. Yeah, yeah, uh, and they've a lot of people try to get me to convert to the the digital. Mm-hmm. I just I can't do it. When I travel, my bag's full of comic books. <laughs> yeah. That's from working in a comic it's book the, store. It's the most amazing thing to me, walking onto an airplane and having the the guy in the business suit. Excuse me, that that's the window seat's mine in first class. Yeah, and then sitting down and I'm I'm wearing fatigue shorts and like a comic book nerd shirt and I just bust my bag out and I start pulling out comic books and I'm reading he's reading like the Wall Street Journal and he's looking at me like how the hell is this guy in first class 
How does this comic book read? I think uh, those prejudices are over now. People understand. No, they don't. He must be in a band. Exactly. Or a drug dealer. (laughs) That's what his his mind is. A drug dealing comic lover. Yeah. 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 He probably can't even read. He's looking at the pictures. (laughs) Oh, do you want to be a superhero? (laughs) Talking to me like I'm a little puppy? Dude, the um, uh, uh, Man of Steel trailer looked pretty, pretty badass. I hate Superman. Do you do? I hate him. Too too much of a too much of a It's, it's good... why I love Mark Wade's um, irredeemable. Uh-huh. Because I, I think if anybody everybody has bad days and even goody two shoes Clark Kent slash Superman would have a bad day and somebody at some point would piss him off or catch him at the wrong moment and he would just heat vision them, they would disintegrate and sure. he, he'd probably feel really guilty about it afterwards, but you know, are you, you you lash out at your, your, you know, your, your loved ones, and you're cranky or whatever. You know, your girlfriend's nagging you about something. You're like, ah, all right, all right, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do it. Like I just, I see him doing that, except punching through somebody's skull and just being like, oh crap. So, and you, I, think, you, so you think he has too much power to I be a good I think absolute, superhero. absolute power corrupts absolutely. Oh, and you I, think Superman would be corrupted? And I think Superman would be a motherfucker. I guess that's interesting. I mean, but that probably tells you more about my personality than than his. No, I, but because if I was Superman, I <laughs> so much of the uh, so much of like superhero lore always boils down to like one moment in their lives, right? But of course, they you know like he would have to have struggles at some point, and just you know just the fact that he was an orphan who you know saw his Earth father die, and oh, you have to there's you know you have to bear great responsibility. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna go. S- I'm going to go see it. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm more uh, on the fence about the, the new Star Wars stuff that I'm hearing about. I think, the, I think Star Wars is going to be okay. I really do. I'm really nervous. No, I think it's going to be great. Because I don't want to feel, I don't, I don't feel like I got tricked again. Because that Phantom Menace stuff. Yeah, but, I, but what, I, what I think is going to happen is I think, I really think Disney has allowed people to take franchises into good directions like you know with Avengers or the Muppet franchise I think it's I think Disney is a company that's large enough to support a property the size of Star Wars and to get people in there to make a Star Wars movie that they really wanted to see like you'll you'll it'll essentially be a really high budget fan film I think and that's actually that's another thing 15 year 15 year old me predicted in the comic shop was someday we're going to get other Writers and directors doing Star Wars stuff. We got to. We got to. And of now course. it looks like we're getting. And there's a, I want to see some like some weird stuff, like a Tarantino bounty hunter film. You know what I mean? Oh, We're yeah. like Bosk and IG88, like hate Bubba Fett, and like, you know what I mean? Like that, that would be amazing. Of course, if Tarantino did it, every, like Boba Fett would be dropping the N word. Oh yeah, that. like oh, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> it'd be fucking great. <laughs> Tarantino's, Tarantino's. Uh, just like like early Knights of the Re- Old Republic or so, Knights of the Republic or whatever. It could be anything. It just be yeah, a, a standalone Chewbacca film. You know what I mean? Chewbacca, <laughs> Chewbacca's banging chicks and oh you know God. what I mean. I'm like an all night bender. He steals the the Millennium Falcon. Chewbacca basically what would happen is uh, there would be a series of like Wookie exploitation movies. Yeah. Where it's just like all the Wookiees. Like Dolomite. Are, yeah, exactly. Like Wookie, Dol- like Wookie Dolomite. He'd be doing all these crazy like. <laughs> That would be uh, the, the trailer for Pac Rim looks fucking awesome too. For what? Pacific Rim. Okay, you should watch that. I will. It's... I haven't watched any trailers. I still got to watch the, the the trailer for the the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm always slacking on stuff like that. 
it's hard to keep up with everything, especially when you're on the road most of the time. Yes. Do you travel alone? And then we'll wrap it up because this is, you, I don't want to take too much of your time. But are, are you, uh, is it the same thing for, for what you do as, because a lot of times with comedy, you'll do your shows and they're super fun. And then you go back to the hotel room and then it's just you alone. And then you just, you know, like you just feel weirdly sad and you go, I, I shouldn't feel bad. I just had great shows. I did what I came to do, but just here I am, left with all this energy that yeah. Well, it's that high you get from you know making people laugh. Sure, and, and you know you're entertaining people, and you you it's but a, you're it's a, it's a high. Out, you're scooping out your emotional core, right? For a and then you, and then you you get and then the solitude just suffocates you. Yeah, it's, it's the exact same thing. I understand why people drink and do drugs. Like I understand why they're like I just need to not I, feel this way. I do too. No, I, I just because I don't do it doesn't mean I don't get it. Like I I understand, you know. Um no, another parallel, you know. Uh when you're done with a wrestling show, you either jump into a car. I mean, when you're when you're broke, you're you're starving. You know what I mean? Yeah. You jump into a car with as many people as you can. And we used to have a minivan that we just stick like eight people in stick eight people in a hotel so we never had that solitude but there was a point in my career where like you know once I'm you know quote unquote made it to the top yeah it was very, I mean it's, it's very lonely you know it's very because it's, it's, a, it's a competitive it, it's, it's the, the most phony competitive sport in the world right you know, where I, it's, it's predetermined obviously and you know people are going to tell you what you do isn't real but then you know you're swimming with sharks half the time and everybody wants your spot they want your job you know, so it's it's kind of hard to find buddies sometimes. Oh, I guess that's true that there is the the public competitiveness, but there is actually really a oh yeah a substrate of yeah. actual like ah uh, fuck that guy absolutely yeah. What 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 do you define as? Um, well, first of all, what do you do in those moments where you feel like the solitude is a little overwhelming? Like how do you how do you cope with it? Well, I have a sleeping problem as well. Like I barely ever sleep, uh, so I, I wander around a lot. Um, like just walk around at night? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, read comic books, pass the time. My problem, though, is if I'm going like a two-week European tour, I will read every single comic book that I brought with me to read while I'm waiting in the airport to fly out. <laughs> and then it's done. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. And I'm, now I'm carrying around 20 pounds of comic books. Now, I mean, how I used to travel and how I travel now are, are two completely different things. About uh, a little over a year ago, I got uh, a bus. I lease a bus, like yeah. a star coach thing. And, you know, there's a bed on there. I got a refrigerator. So, I mean, it, it's, the difference is night and day. But, you know, when you're, you're driving through, you know, Wyoming by yourself, yeah. you know, just going to like the next town and checking into a hotel and, you know, I mean, smartphones are like lifesavers. I can't imagine, you know, <laughs> we, used to, we used to travel with a map, you know what I mean? We used to have a map in the car. And then when MapQuest came out, holy shit. It opened up like a new world for all of us. Chloe, would, Chloe and I drove across country over the summer, and I don't know what we would have done without Yelp right. to tell us, like, don't stay at this place, yeah. eat at this restaurant. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, we're such spoiled pussies now. And that, but that's, that's one thing I want to do, though. I wanna, that's one of the things I, I need to do is drive across country. Because I've been everywhere twice, and I've seen a lot of cool things, but I'm never in one place for too long. Yeah. So, you know, I'm in Australia, and it's like, oh, cool, there's Australia. You have nice uh, buses and hotels. You, you know? need a month. You really need a month. We did it in, like, two, we drove from L.A. to Memphis in, like, two, and back in two weeks. Wow. And it's, it's, it's great, but you do, like, you know, on day five where you go, 
all right, we got to get back on the road and drive another 500 miles today, right. 400 miles today. You, you know, like that, it's it's sort of similar. You really need a month where you can stop and go, hey, I'm going to stay in, you know, New Mexico for three days. Map and, it out and, and check and stuff really, out. Really, really, really check it out. Yeah. It's nice. We're, we're fortunate that we, I mean, America doesn't have the history that other countries have, like, particularly, you know, like you go to Europe yeah. uh, or, or Asia, but... Um, but what we do have is, you know, just an amazing landmass with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you stumble across these towns that are virtually untouched by time. And you can see, oh, yeah, this town, you can see that it lo- looks like Deadwood, you know. Like There's the hanging tree over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, here's two stories of these wooden buildings and, you know, and that, and that's, they pretty much, they paved the streets and put electricity in, but it's ultimately like pretty that's much the same, the same town. Yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah, it's good. It's a good town. Um, and it's a good, it's, it's, it's a good thing to do if you ever have time. Someday. Do you ever feel like you can take time off? Um, I, I'm, uh, got to make the hay while the sun shines kind of guy. Yeah. So, uh, I, I've never, I mean, I've never taken time. I've never had a break, you know, in, in 10 years, you know. The last time I, I, I didn't wrestle for an extended period of time, I fractured my skull. And I wasn't supposed to wrestle for like 14 months, and I took two months off. Oh, shit. Yeah. What part of your skull? Where did you... I was like the side. Like, I got an x-ray here somewhere. It was yeah. pretty badass. Like, you see like this weird hairline fracture of my skull. It's pretty weird. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. There's really nothing they can even do for that. No. That's what I said. I go, well, what are you going to do to me? And the guy was just... The doctor in Jersey was just like... You can't put a cast on your head, so you just can't do anything strenuous. <laughs> can you caulk this? Months. Can you yeah. just like squirt some caulk in there? And, and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you need I an mean, adamantium skeleton. I, I wish. Trust me, I wish. Because since I've been with the, the WWE, every time I've gotten hurt, there's actually been moments in my career where like, I was like, all right, sweet. I just tore my gluteus medius tendon in my hip, and I have to go get surgery. At least I'm getting a break. Yeah. And like, I go to get surgery, and the doctor gives me my pre-op MRI and says that it's not torn off the bone, and he's not going to cut me. Just go home and rehab. And I'm like, what's rehab on that? He's like, ah, two, three months. So in my mind, I'm like, cha-ching, just scored three months of you know n- not being around all these people that I hate right now. Yeah. Awesome. And then Vince McMahon calls you and goes, heard you're not getting surgery. That's good news. I'm going to need you at TV on Monday to do commentary. And you're on the phone and you're just like, all right. And you're, you know what I mean? And you're, you're on your iPad and you're like Xing out the, the, the Hawaii Marriott website. You're like, fuck yeah, all right, I'll see you Monday. Thanks, man. Can I Skype in for that? Do you you actually need me there? Exactly. What's the craziest thing that you've ever, like, what's the worst you've ever actually been hurt, but then you still had to go, like, you still had to... The skull fracture thing was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Um, And I did it in a match, and I thought, uh, I thought I broke my neck. Oh shit! Like I hit and like um, it, it was this weird like neck breaker thing where the guy's head kind of was on top of mine and we hit the mat at the same time, and I felt like this side of my body get really warm. Oh shit! So I was like, all right, something horrible just happened to me. But like you know, I'm wiggling my toes and my fingers, and I'm like, oh, okay, and I kind of just shake it off, and I wrestled for like another I don't know ten minutes or something like that. And by the end of the match, I was just I was fucked. Like I. I crazy crazy vertigo and I needed like a chair to use as a walker to get to the back and everyone's clapping like oh this guy's this guy's wow he's he's good he's just selling you know wow he's really good at his job and I got to the back and I just collapsed and just vomited everywhere and 
Are you pretty good with that stuff, or do you like? I, I personally would be like, I'm fucking dying. I would. I, would. Well, I didn't know, and I, I I don't know if it's just a personality trait of mine, or if it's just a wrestler thing where you just don't you don't think. You're like, well, I'm out here, and I got I got to finish this match. You know what I mean? I go, I got to do it. You know, I mean, hindsight being what it is, probably should have just stopped. <laughs> probably should just went. Time out, everybody. I really, no, I'm actually I hurt. really just got hurt. I'm not okay. Yay! Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, that doesn't listening. that doesn't exist in my world, unfortunately. How do you know? Um, how do you know when you've made it? Like, what do you have a, a thing in your head where you go, "There's a finish line that I cross," or is it a constant? Oh, I'm not quite there yet. Oh, I'm still not quite there. Well, I didn't do this. Well, this guy did this. Like, do you? I think it constantly changes, and it, and it's it's always little things that uh, you have to explain to the the general population. Uh, I remember one of the first times I was like, oh wow, I I, I made it. Um, when I first signed in 2005, uh, I was I was just backstage, and we have a, a makeup lady. And her name's Jan, and she's been there 25 years. Something ridiculous, right? Like Jan could write a book, probably that they would not want her to write but you know she has this this case and there's there's water and hair gel and like you know it's i mean it's for everybody and like i walked over to the water bottle to like spray my hair before i went to the ring or whatever and she starts swearing at me she's like hey what are you doing you stop it you know she's barking at me and i was like oh jesus christ and i like put the water back and like ran away you know what i mean and then like you know i'd been there a couple years and like one day uh jan was like Hey punk, you you need a haircut or anything today? And I was just like, oh, I've made it. You like, made it because she Jan, accepted you. Jan not only acknowledged me, but she wants to do me the service of cutting my hair. She was the gatekeeper. I'm a top guy now. This is <laughs> this is awesome. You know, like other times, uh, you're always on shows when like somebody big gets hurt. You know, they we offer refunds. You know, there'll be the announcement. You know, like so and so is hurt. You know, blah blah blah. And I remember I uh, I I somebody. Um, Smartphones again. Somebody recorded it. Like uh, I, I did my, my I did my elbow in. Uh, I got my elbow scoped two years ago, and they like made an announcement like, oh, you know, CM Punk's not here tonight. If you want a refund, you got to get it before the second match or whatever like that. And I was like, wow, I fucking made it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like they're offering refunds. Like so for you? Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty badass. You know, um, there's moment, moments like that. You know, it really has nothing with being a champion or, or you know, having a, a title, you know. Uh, I, I just, I pride myself on being, like, the go-to guy. Yeah. And when everyone else goes down or when somebody else can't do something or if it's if it's a hard job, it's something nobody else wants to do, like, I'm the guy. Like, I'll, I'll grind it out. I'll do it. Well, know? I think there's, um, you know, on one side you go, well, okay, so you're the champion. So you have this title. But it's predetermined. Right. So... Part of you, like some, someone might go, well, but you didn't earn that because they just gave it to you. The other part is like, yeah, but you didn't see all the shit that I had to go through Absolutely. behind the scenes to make that happen. There was a journey. You just didn't see all of it. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of people out there and on Twitter that think that we just do, you know, Mondays, <laughs> yeah. you know, but there's, there's Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, Mondays and Tuesdays, and we do one international tour a month. I mean, and on top of that, I'm doing media, all the stuff that you did this morning, you know what I'm, I'm, I'm doing radio, that. Yeah. yeah, all that. And then you're talking to kids at schools, you're, you're doing be a star rallies, you're doing make a wishes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a grind, it's constant, but like, that's the cool rewarding stuff too. You know what I mean? When, when a mom comes to an autograph signing and she's like, Hey, I just want you to know, 
I never let my kid watch wrestling. And then he explained to me, there's this guy and he's got drug free in his knuckles. And like, I look over and the little kid's got his hands taped and they're X'd up and he, he wrote drug free on his knuckle. Oh, you know what I mean? Like that stuff's pretty wild. That almost goes back to you asking me if like, I feel I have a responsibility and like, you know, I think the people that get it, get it. And the only thing I ever tell kids is, you know, I, I don't even preach, you know, Hey, don't do drugs. Don't smoke. You know, like, I'll tell them not to, but I'll also tell them, like, I think a lot of times you tell a kid not to do something, they're going to do it. Yeah. You know, be yourself and find something that you love and do it for a living. Like, that's my advice to kids. It really is that I, I, I've been trying to, <clears throat> I've been trying to give the same advice to people is like, find a thing that you love and then just do that for as long as you're passionate about it. Yeah. And, and I do have to, I have to totally apologize to you because when they said CM Punk's coming on, you know, I mean, I knew who you were, uh, but I was like, really, you're going to come on. You're going to, I, I was, I was weirdly sort of prejudiced. And then, and I apologize for that because <laughs> it wasn't fair. You came on, you and, you and Yvette Nicole Brown were fucking, that was such a great show for us because you guys came in, you clearly loved the show. You had information. Yvette brought fucking notes, like a stack that of was notes. Amazing. I and love then, that about her. And the show worked, the, the Talking Dead worked the best because there were points that you guys didn't agree on. And you both had, there was like an intelligent discourse about it, and you were both passionate about it, and you could tell that you loved the show, and and it really was, uh, that makes for the best episodes of that show, when yeah. people come on, and they can do that, and engage in that way. Yeah, it's a conversation, you know? It is. I don't just want to see two ham bones sit on the couch, you know? Not everyone can do it, though. I mean, yeah. you're saying it's a conversation, not everyone can sit and just have a conversation. Right. They don't know how to be themselves they don't know like some people are so used to being characters I thought it was a cool dichotomy too because she is she doesn't she's never read the comic books she's yeah. a fan of the show loves the show she started yeah. watching the show and loves it me I, you know I was one of those that was counting the days oh my god there's a pilot there, yeah. oh my god you know I'm, I'm reading stuff on the internet about you know Walking Dead show oh this is going to be amazing you know so I, it, it, it's cool to see that that's why I love that show have you gotten to Negan in the comic books yet yes <sighs> and there's that part of me that, that reads, oh, Negan, a new character. Oh, he's a bad guy. He's a ruthless motherfucker. <laughs> I could totally be Negan on but season five of Walking Dead. I, <laughs> oh, my God. That's all I do. That's all I do. Dude, you totally could be. I mean, because they... It's so funny that it, the way that they're drawing him... I mean, this isn't too much. This isn't really a spoiler, but just... They're drawing him almost like a sunny, like, 1950s comic and he's the worst character. Like he's the most evil character that you've seen right. yet. Like just yeah, I think he's trying to top the governor on this. One. Way, way, way yeah. tops the governor. Yeah. Way tops the governor. But even in the show, the choice to make the governor David Morrissey as opposed to what the governor was in the comics, which was you know clearly the governor was a piece of shit right off the bat. Right. But the but there still is a you know the show keeps doing this thing where you're like. Okay, I sort of see where he's coming. Oh, no, he's fucking crazy. Okay, I... No, no, yeah, no, no. no, he seems like a normal guy, no, and then no, he's got oh, an yeah, aquarium that. full of heads. Yeah, oh, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, not that. Uh, but anyway, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on Talking Dead. You're certainly welcome back to come on if you want. I'm sure we'll work it out. Um, yeah. And then... And thank you for letting me come do the podcast with you. I appreciate this. And and, 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 and I'm sorry that I didn't know that much about wrestling coming into this. <laughs> but, i got to apologize, dude. It's, you know... We're all into what we're into. Yeah, I know, but I, but I do... But for me, I like connecting with people on the sort of basic fundamental parallels of, of looking at different professions, whether it be writing, directing, you know, music, comedy, 
wrestling or whatever and then going oh at the core of it we all do the same thing that's expressed in slightly different ways but our mechanisms are basically the same yeah yeah we're all the same kid I mean I, I think a lot of my friends I say that all the time like we're, we're the same kid we were just put in different situations in different parts of the world and we all like the same stuff and I didn't have know. the physicality to back it up so my wrestling was words you know <laughs> <laughs> if anybody out there ever messes with you Chris you know Thank you. We'll go get him. Because I'm going to get torched, I'm sure, because I didn't ask certain questions that I, I don't think, know what those I, See, are. I think there's, you're going to get torched for having me on your show. That's I true, think, too. I think there's going to be your, your nerdist loyalist, too. Like, this is a fucking wrestler guy. Yeah. You know? But then, I got a flux capacitor, dude. Yeah, I'm looking at your... Ref- I can see your refrigerator from here, and it says, Not Penny's Boat. Yeah. On the side there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's been up there for years. So... That's, uh, I, I hope people, sometimes what happens is with the podcast is they'll go, and, and I don't know why they comment about this, but they'll go, oh yeah, I saw you had this person on, I think I'll pass on this one. And I always want to go, listen, be an intelligent individual, consume something and then judge it. Because I don't think anyone could listen to you and be like, what a, what a jarhead piece of crap. Like you go, oh wow, he's an intelligent guy that has thoughts and feelings and a plan and, you know. I, 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 I do that. I actually like to listen to the, the podcast about people I don't know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people I've never heard. Like, well, well shit, okay, if this, if this person is on Chris Hardwick's podcast, like I'm going to listen to it because uh, apparently I'm missing something. That is a unique point of view. Most people do not want to be challenged. They kind of paint their picture of what they like and don't like and I suffer from it too sometimes like I've never listened to a One Direction song what if it's great I don't know it's probably not but what if it is and, and so we get into our little cultural comfort zones yeah. and it's easy to judge and go and create an us and them kind of a situation but I feel like the stronger people are the people who go I don't know what this is this might be dumb, but I'm going to do it anyway because maybe I'll like it. Oh, and shit. then I'll judge. How many times did you do that with comic books? You know what I mean? Like, ah, no, that's weird. I don't like who does the covers. You know? Yeah. Um, all right. No, I'm going to try it. I don't, entirely blame, I don't entirely blame people. I do think we make a lot of lazy cultural choices, but I do think that it's just people are inundated with so much of everything that it's hard for our brains to process. I don't think our brains are evolved to process the amount of information that we currently process. And so I think that's why people just paint things into boxes and things are very black and white and, well, I'm not going to listen to that. Fuck that guy because I'm sure it's going to be terrible. Yeah. Because they just don't have the energy to explore everything and make an informed decision. But I wish people would strive to do that more often. Maybe they will after listening to this podcast. I hope so. Okay. And if any, if any other wrestlers... Give you a bad time, I'll snark at him for you. I appreciate I'll it. I'll give you some good roasty quips. Give him a, <laughs> you could tweet him something. Yeah, um, 140 characters. You're going to hear it from me. You're going to get it. Other wrestlers. Who's your, who's your biggest nemesis right now? Um, Jeez, I don't know. I think me and John Cena have always been uh, like, I'm the Randy Savage to his Hulk Hogan. Yeah. That's probably the biggest, the, the biggest rivalry. It's been going on for a while. All right, I'll come up with a good John Cena tweet. Yeah, do it. You look like someone put Matt Damon in a giganta array. That probably sounds like something he would say. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not really Just good. Let me then. handle it. Okay, I'll, I'll let you um, deal with that. How dare you help all those kids? Oh, no, that's... <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't have anything. Yeah. All right, well, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. 
This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.